How many of you have read Charles Dickens' book, A Christmas Carol? Anybody in here ever read that book? There's at least three or four of you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's one of... I've never read the book. Okay, I'll just be up front. I, I, I'm one of these people that when I went to college, I bought all the books, but I didn't crack a one of them. I'm sorry. I, I just listened really well in class. And it's not completely true. I did read some, but um, it's not one of my favorite things to do. But in Charles Dickens' uh, novel, uh, Scrooge has been affected by some previous events in his life that have caused him to lose his joy. And now, this is according to the movie. Now, I've not, since I've not read the book, you know, there's, my kids always get mad at movies that they go see that they've read the books to because all I hear on the way home is what that stupid movie didn't have in it that was in the book, right? And so, but if I remember well from the, the movie, and I love the one that Patrick Stewart does. It's, he, he's one of my favorite actors, and, and uh, he does such a great job with Scrooge. And, and uh, he, he, he had a love affair with a young woman who, that went sour. And then his friend, his business partner, died. You know, there's a lot of things in life that can steal your joy. Some legitimate things. There's some things that can really kind of just dampen your life, and you can be a ball humbug. And, you, and, and really what that, what that means, it's an old English term that, that means that expresses disbelief. And that's what, that's what that means. And for some of you this morning, you have a disbelief in what Christmas has for you. Because you've just been, you've had your joy stolen. Many people have lost their joy, not just during the Christmas season, but in life, period. They are simply joyless. How hard is it to live life without joy? It's hard, but it's also easy to do, isn't it? And sometimes we, we've lost our joy, and, and, and we've gone without joy for so long in our life. It's just a way of life, and, and you become one of these these. these these people that are just joyless. And so many people choose to live a joyless life, and I don't know why you would. You might be thinking, no one in this world could possibly choose to be joyful. It's not possible to be joyful, Pastor. It's not possible to choose joy. And the truth of the matter is, it is. Joy is a choice. Just like anger is a choice. And love is a choice. And today, we're going to look at how it is that you and I can choose to be joyful. And if you don't think you can be joyful today, I want to remind you of what Jesus said in John 15, 11. We looked at this verse last week. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You see, Jesus has so much for you this morning that he wants to fill you with some joy. He wants, you to, make the, he wants to make this Christmas season one of the best in your life. And so joy is found in Jesus and knowing him personally. And joy is the result of resting in God's care. And if you're not resting in God's care, then you're resting in your own. And when you rest in your own care, guess what? You can't take care of yourself. 
There are so many things and circumstances in our life that, 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 that rob our joy because we don't have any control over them. But joy is learning that God is your joy because he has control over your life. And we're going to look at a story today that, that's really interesting. It's the story of the wise men who came to see the newborn king. And in Matthew chapter 2, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn your Bibles on, turn to your Bible, and just take a look this morning with me as we look at this story of the wise men. These men came from the Far East. And these guys were kingmakers. These men were, were, were in their day, they're the ones that would bless the kings of Persia who would come into power. And they could not come into power without the blessing of these wise men. And so today, it's really going to be interesting how we see this whole story unfold and how Herod responds to it. And I want to ask you this morning, you're going to, or I want to encourage you this morning, you're going to hear how today you can have joy. You're going to hear how the, that, that God wants to work in your life with a great message, but you have to choose it. So let's take a look quickly at this passage. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the east, eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it, ro as it rose. And we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for all my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And you will find, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them and a dream to return, not to return to Herod. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be wise men and women today who seek you. And Lord, help us to be people who choose joy. Lord, whatever is going on in our hearts this morning, I pray that we give it a rest, and then we would rest in you and your word that could change our current circumstances. Thank you, Lord. Use these words this morning to change our hearts. 
In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Now today we're going to see how this story is so much like our current story today. It may be even like your story today. Some of you walked in here this morning with some chaos going on in your life. And when you look around at our community, our country, and our world today, you see a lot of turmoil and chaos. And maybe you have your own in your home, in your family, in your marriage, maybe in your job. And when your world is in chaos, you have two choices to make. You have two choices to make. You can either choose to be anxious or you can choose to be joyful. So let's look at how you and I could choose rightly today. You see, living in chaos, in a chaotic world, leaves you with two choices. You can choose to be anxious. Look what happens in verse 3. It says that King Herod, when, when, the, when the wise men showed up, and they began to ask about this newborn king, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Why was King Herod so disturbed? And why was Jerusalem so disturbed with him? Well, if you, if you know anything about this story, you know that Herod was a, was a very wicked man. As a matter of fact, he was a man who, who killed many people in order for him to get his job. I mean, you think it's a cutthroat business where you work, right? I mean, there, they actually killed people in order to advance in their career. And so King Herod was one of these guys, he even killed his wife and his mother-in-law. And I can understand the mother-in-law sometimes. I don't know about you, but, but I get that. But here's the thing, this guy even killed three of his sons. He was about 70 at this time. He was very sick, he was close to death. And Herod was one of these guys who was very paranoid, very anxious, very disturbed, because he had worked hard and he had done a lot of things in order to obtain his position. And the Roman Empire had given him that position because he had done such a good job and all the other opportunities that he had. And so he had killed and stolen and, and, and conjoled a lot of people to get where he was. And then when these wise men came, all heck broke loose. Why? Well, his army wasn't there for one. And when the wise men came, and not, let me just kind of blow up your Christmas theory here. There were not three wise men. You know, we get this whole idea of three wise men from the three gifts, right? We think that we each have to bring our own gift, right? I mean, when you come to someone's house for Christmas or when you, when you, get, when you have your, your kids, and you've got to get each one of them a gift, right? Uh-oh, somebody <laughs> not, not get their gift? Somebody's bitter. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, that's what normally happens. So, you know, uh, uh, so we tend to think that there were three wise men, but there wasn't. There's probably more like 12. And these 12 wise men really came back from the whole time that Daniel was uh, in the land of Persia. Now, how many of you remember who Daniel is? Daniel in the lion's den, you remember the story from maybe when you were in Sunday school or backyard Bible clubs or vacation Bible school? Well, 500 years before this time, Daniel had been in Persia. King Darius had, had created this law where, where that no one could be worshipped but him. But Daniel defied that. He was one of the Jews who had been carried into exile, and, and he decided, I'm not going to worship the king. I'm going to worship God. 
And so you remember the story where, where Daniel, uh, these, these officials laid a trap for Daniel, and, and Daniel was, uh, uh, he was one day worshiping God. He was praying, and they caught him. And so they brought him before the king, and, and the king didn't want to kill Daniel. He didn't want to put him in the lion's den. He, what he wanted was that, that, that he wanted him to, that people to actually worship, but they had, he'd been tricked to do this law. And so he had to throw Daniel in the lion's den. And so as Daniel was in the den, as you know the story, he wasn't eaten. And King, King Darius was so thrilled that he put Daniel in charge of many things in Persia. And one of the groups of people he put in charge was the Magi. This, this group that came to see Jesus. And, it, and let me just tell you something. God doesn't do random. God's plan has been at work since the beginning of time. And for 500 years, they had heard the story from Daniel that had been written down. And now, Daniel didn't live 500 years, and these magi did not live for 500 years, but the story was passed down and passed down that one day there would be a Messiah come to Jerusalem. And so they had heard the story, they had heard the story, they'd been looking for the Messiah, they'd been looking for the Messiah, and it was interesting that, that on this day, <clears throat> these magi walk into Jerusalem, and they probably were accompanied by about a thousand troops. The king of Persia had sent a thousand troops with them, and, and they had come for protection of the magi, and so this was a big deal. And so when Herod had, had, had began to think, hey, these guys have come to anoint a new king and to dethrone me, to throw me out. And so he was very anxious. And when the king is anxious, guess what? The people are anxious. Why? Well, Herod was such a cruel guy that he had decided and he had, he had commanded that on the day of his death, they were to round up all the noble people and all the sophisticated people of Jerusalem and slaughter them because he knew that no one would cry at his death. And so he wanted people to cry on the day that he died. He wanted them to mourn. And so he had commanded that they would, they would, they would kill all these people so that there would be sadness in the land. This guy was sick. We live in a disturbing land today, don't we? Man, if you've turned on the news this week and or the last six months or last year, last couple of years, I mean, it, it just seems like our culture continues to be more caustic and angry. We live in a land that's very disturbed. I mean, this week, senators resigned, congressmen resigned, a city councilman in Port, in, in, in Port St. Lucie resigned. All because of their behavior. You see, we live in a land that is very disturbed. The media is constantly angry. Christians are constantly being marginalized. We live in a land that's very anxious. And maybe today you're living a life that's very anxious. You see everything that's going on around you. You see everything that's going on in our lives. You see all that's happening in America. And you just kind of 
It's disturbing, right? You know, it's gotten to where sometimes I don't even turn the news on or read the news because it's just constantly negative and nasty. It'll bring you down, won't it? But here's the thing. It's not new. As a matter of fact, this is what Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 1, 2, and 4. He said, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. That could be written for today, couldn't it? I mean, when you, when you read that passage, I mean, you wouldn't know that was over 2,000 years ago written. But it could be today. It is today. And maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe that's how you feel in your own life. That there's just violence and fighting and arguing and, and there's just no sense of, of peace around you. There's no sense of joy. There's no sense of, of anything that, that, that brings uh, happiness to your life. And here's the thing. You can choose either to be anxious like everyone else is, or you can choose to be joyful. You can choose to be joyful. You see, we do live in a chaotic world, but you know what? The world has always been chaotic since sin entered the world. And you and I can choose to, to, to live in an anxious state, or we can choose to be joyful. Look what happens here. The Magi find out where, 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 where the baby is, and then they go and take a trip a few, a few miles. Only five miles from Jerusalem is Bethlehem. And here's what they did. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Did you know joy is an option? If you don't know that, hopefully today you will. Choosing joy is an option every day of your life. Joy is the result of you and I choosing to come and to worship Jesus. You see, joy is the result of genuine worship. It's not the result of, of, of you and I doing this ritualistic thing where, where we just come in, do our part, and then leave. No, no, what we're talking about today is genuine worship. Genuine opportunity to come in here and to see God for ourselves. Just like these wise men who were coming to, to anoint this, this Jesus king. To anoint him as Messiah. This morning, that is what you and I need to be doing when we enter into this place. We need to come this morning anointing him as Messiah in our lives. 
We need to make him our genuine object of worship this morning. Not the music, not the message, but just walking in here this morning and in every day of our lives, wanting to worship the one who can change our lives. And you and I this morning, God wants to offer you this opportunity. You can either worship your anxiety or you can worship Jesus. How do you know when you're worshiping anxiety? You're anxious, right? You're fearful. But when you're walking and stepping in joy, you're walking and stepping into genuine worship. Worship is the key to your joy. You see, when you worship Jesus, you're putting your hope in someone greater than yourself. You see, that's the key to joy. You see, joy can be stolen when you put yourself or someone else in charge of your life. That's the truth. And this morning, too many times, too many of us have have put our joy in the hands of others rather than the hands of God. Maybe we've done it with our spouse. Maybe we've done it in our children. I want to tell you what, if your joy is found in your kids, holy moly, you're not going to be very happy, are you? They are always doing something to disappoint you. And guess what, Dad? You are too. So are you, Mom. You see, none of us have got it together. That's why we have to choose another form of joy, and that is found in Jesus. Everyone worships something. Even men. You know, I was, uh, I was hearing a, uh, a podcast this week about, about men and their worship and, and what they do, but here's the thing. People say men, men don't really like to worship, but they do. I mean, have you ever seen a man at a football game? A grown man at a football game? He's ridiculous, isn't he? Especially after a few beers. He is really ridiculous. Get him some nachos and he goes crazy. And the reality is, when you put or value something in your life more than Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. And that's what these men did. They came to worship the one who could bring eternal joy. What are you choosing today? You see, what you choose to worship will determine the strength of your joy. When you worship, when your joy is in Jesus, it will last eternally. And when your joy is in the world, it will only be temporary. And that's why a week after Christmas after your kids have opened everything that you've gotten them, they're going to be bored. Why? Because joy's not found in what you buy them. Joy's not found in a meal that you've cooked. Joy is found in a Savior that you choose to worship. What is genuine worship? I want to spend some time here this morning. So we're going to spend most of our time. Genuine worship is seeking the Savior. Look what he says. Verse 10. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed and worshipped Mary. No, they didn't worship Mary, did they? No. They worshipped him. Some people worship Mary, but no. They worshipped him. The wise guys, when they, when they, when, when they uh, left King Herod, they were not looking to replace him. They were looking to make Jesus the one they worshipped. They anticipated God. 
They were not looking for just another king who would rule over people, but they were looking for the authentic God who would come to save us. And see, when you get up this morning, what did you anticipate this morning? Did you look at the weather before you got out of bed and say, man, it's really cold? I don't think I'm going to church today because, man, I tell you what, it's, it's just really cold here. And, if I, and I, don't want to, I don't want to be freezing. Some people made that choice this morning. Too often we, we get up and we start our day not anticipating God because we're not seeking Him. And see, Sunday mornings, it's kind of easy to understand that, that, yeah, we're going to worship God, we're going to have church. But here's the thing. Worship has to take place every day of your life. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And what are you getting up every morning? What are, who are you seeking every morning? What are you anticipating this morning? What, did you, what are you anticipating tomorrow morning? Too often we get up to start our days and not anticipating God because we're not seeking Him. Why face another Monday with dread? If you're not seeking a Savior, then I want to tell you, you're going to miss out on your Savior saving the day. If you're not seeking God today and every day, you're missing out on joy. Again, joy is the result of pursuing Jesus every day. And too many times, too many people who say they are Christ followers get up every morning and they don't anticipate God doing anything in their day. Do you realize that on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning, and yes, even Sunday morning, you are entering into your day either anticipating God using you or not anticipating God at all? Are you anticipating God using you tomorrow? Or are you just going to let Monday happen to you? And that's what happens a lot of times, right? We just let Monday happen. We let Tuesday happen. And by the time we get home from work, by the time we, we cook our dinner, by the time we get kids in bed, by the time we get our day done, what have we done? What have we anticipated? What have we seen God do in our life that day? The reason so many of us are up and down week after week in our life with disappointments, with with joylessness, with, with misery, with anxiety, is because we do not get up every day seeking the Savior. And here's my question to you today. Are you tired of not having God's joy in your life on a daily basis? Because that's really what we're talking about here. So many times, our daily lives are so mundane, so, so regular, that we just do not have an anticipation of God doing something special every day. That's because we fail to seek the Savior on a daily basis. Is today the only time that this week, this past week, that you sought the Savior? Here's what Paul said in Romans 15, 13. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace 
because of your trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, I think all of you actually, need to memorize that verse. Because that's what God has for you every day of your life. And too many times, too many of us do not have that in our lives. God, the source of our hope, that He would fill us completely with joy and peace because we trust in Him. When you have a day, when you have a day or a week or several weeks in a row where there is no joy in your life, it is because you're not trusting and you're not seeking the Savior in your life. And that's what these men came to do, these magi. They came to seek the Savior because they were looking for joy. Are you happy, joyless? Well, that's kind of a dumb question, right? But it's not. Because we sometimes, we're so used to our joylessness that we, 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 we face every day with no hope. And we just go about our day and we just are used to being joyless, we're used to being hopeless, and we're used to just not understanding that God is living inside of us. Wanting you to be full of joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you seek the Savior daily, this is what you can expect. Hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Talk to too many people. Way too many people who are living joyless lives. Faithless lives. Because they do not get up in the morning seeking the Savior. Do you know what they get up to? Do you know what sometimes I get up to? The enemy already seeking me out and you out. And he's competing for the voice of God in your life. I can tell you how many times this week I woke up 4, 4.30, 5, and the words and the negativity and the, and, the, and the failures of my life were the first things that entered my mind. Anybody experienced that this week? Things are never going to be different with you, boy. Things are never going to change in your life. And that's when I had to think, take those thoughts captive. And I start seeking the Savior. And I start praying and saying back to myself what Jesus has already said about me in His Word. Remembering passages like this in Romans 15, 13. And what begins to help happen to me is faith begins to build in me. Hope begins to build in me. Joy begins to build in me. Life begins to build in me. And you know what the enemy has to do in the midst of when those things are built in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit? He has to run. And some of you need to just get some courage this morning to preach to yourself and to say that God has got more for me than this. Too many of you are satisfied with joyless, happiless, uh, uh, purposeless lives. You're just 
Every day living that way, just thinking that's the way life is supposed to be for you. And Jesus says, no. The wise men were not going to take it anymore. They found the Savior. They saw the star. And they chased after him. Every morning you have to chase after the Savior. You have to seek him. You have to pursue him because he has so much for you. And then genuine worship changes what I treasure. Verse 11. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we're going to talk more about this next week. But when you genuinely seek Jesus, what you treasure will change. What you treasure will change. You see, the wise men brought the gifts fit for a king. These guys were, were, were the ones who would know, anoint the king, and they would often bring, bring these, these incredible treasures. They surrendered their treasury for this new treasure. You see, when you seek joy in your life, you understand that nothing else in this world is going to provide you with the joy that Christ will. And so what you begin to do is you begin to exchange what you used to treasure for what real treasure is for your life. And that's Christ. But too many times, too many of us, we, what we do is we, we, we want to have our treasures and we want to have the treasure of Jesus and there's a competing there is competing for our attention. How long will you keep chasing the treasure of this world and, try to, and, and, and trying to find joy in them? See, that's what Herod was doing. Herod thought that if he would just become king of this little enclave of the Roman Empire, he thought that, that he could be the, 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 he could have satisfaction. He thought he could have everything that the world said he needed in order to be an important person. And that's what the world still does today. Maybe you're trying to climb the ladder at work. Maybe you're trying to, try to be the top dog at school. Maybe you're trying to be just the, 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 the man of the house. But the reality is you can't be any of those things if you're not treasuring Jesus. And none of those things will satisfy. Jesus said this. Matthew 6, 21, he said, Whatever you treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also. What are you chasing today? What are you chasing today? What do you spend most of your time consumed by. If it's your children, that's all you're going to focus on. If it's your job, that's what you're going to focus on. But if it's Jesus, he is the one who will bring real joy and answer the need of your heart. You see, joy is the result of worshiping Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Again, anxiety, trouble, fearfulness is the result of not seeking Jesus through genuine worship. You know, worship's one of those things we, we know it, we think we know it, we think we know what it is. But so many times we miss it. 
But worship is treasuring Jesus. You see, those guys willingly gave up their treasure when they found the Savior. What have you been treasuring in this world that you refuse to give up for Jesus? You know, sometimes we think that 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 means something tangible. But the truth of the matter is it could be something like an attitude. An unwillingness to change. An unwillingness to to surrender a part of your life. An unwillingness to give up a sin. You see, today, if you're unwilling to surrender that, then that is what you worship. See, that's what Jesus has for you today. Peace of mind and heart. If you don't have peace in your mind and in your heart today, then it's probably a good chance that you're not worshiping Jesus. You're worshiping something else. You know, I I started off this morning with this verse from Habakkuk, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. You know, if that was the end of the story, it would be a really sad commentary. But I want to point you to verse 5 of Habakkuk 1. Jesus responds to to Habakkuk. God responds, Jesus. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone had told you about it. I'm going to ask you this morning to look around. God is in the midst of doing something in your life. God is in the midst of doing something in our community, in our nation, in our world. We see what we see, but God sees something far greater. And when we seek Him on a daily basis, when we worship Him genuinely, when we, when we surrender our treasure to Him, I want to tell you, we are going to be able to see the amazing work of God, not only in our life, but in the work of our community and our nation, because we have put our joy in Him. We have chosen joy. This morning, what have you chosen? What are you choosing? You see, if we don't choose joy, we choose anxiety, fear, frustration, disappointment, discouragement, faithlessness, unhappiness, if that describes you today, if that describes any part of your life, then I want to call you back to seeking a Savior. To genuine worship. I want to call you to giving up your worldly treasure and to treasure Him. Because that is only where real joy is found. 
Would you pray with me?